You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow a side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews. So let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is episode 14 of Side Hustle Pro. Some quick announcements before we get into this episode. Number one, Side Hustle Pro now has a Facebook group and there's already so much great convo and connection happening in there. So if you're looking for accountability and support to create and grow your side hustle, please head on over to sidehustlepro.co forward slash mastermind. That's M-A-S-T-E-R-M-I-N-D mastermind to join the Side Hustle Pro community on Facebook. All right, I'll see you there a few. Second announcement. Today is one of those episodes with a fabulous guest, but a little bit quirky sound. So today's guest, Lovey, and I were initially scheduled to speak via Skype, but ended up having to switch to phone due to tech issues. So in true side hustle fashion, I have, you know, made the best of this sound and I know you're going to enjoy the content. So that's why we're forging ahead. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode. On this episode, I sit down for a conversation with Lovey Ajayi to talk branding 101. Lovey is a writer, digital strategist, and the creator of entertainment and humor blog, awesomelylovey.com. Now, if you've been following me for a while, you probably saw part one of my interview with Lovey a few months back. That now lives on the Side Hustle Pro website. So if you go to sidehustlepro.co, you will see the first interview I did with Lovey. And there we get into a little bit more of her background. But today, we are going to talk about her getting ready to, to debut her first book called I'm Judging You, the Do Better Manual, which is available on September 16th. And then we also get into why you shouldn't be so consumed with the idea of being a brand, why you need to be so good they can't ignore you, and how to make sure you're prioritizing what's really important, aka content over marketing. So we get discuss all of that and more in today's episode. Stay tuned. Lovey, welcome to the show. Thank you for bearing with the technical difficulties. Um, as I mentioned before, I've interviewed you before, so I don't want to spend this episode going over some of the background questions that we talked about in our first interview. Instead, we're going to go into Branding 101. That sound cool? Yep. All righty. So I have heard you mention more than once that Angela Nistel is one of your favorite comedic writers, and I actually love her as well. I wish she would write another novel. How did you own your own voice when you were starting out and not inadvertently start to pick up, like, lingo and slang from other people? Um, I find inspiration everywhere, but I think it's important to know the difference between inspiration and copying. For me, it was important to write like like what was natural to me because it makes it easier to write as opposed to you thinking through to figure out what you how are you going to say it? Um, I think it's best for you to honor your own voice just because what comes natural to you is what's easier to do. And I basically did. And so in our first talk, we talked about the fact that your blog, it evolved naturally. And so you, you before you knew it, people were coming to you and people kind of propelled you into realizing that, you know what, this is bigger than a blog. 
once you hit that point, like what were the first steps you took to formalize the Lovey brand when you realized that this was more than just something you did after work for nothing? I didn't really do anything to formalize. I just get too stuck in the idea that everything needs to be solid and set in stone. I mean, my journey has been basically what happens when you kind of see where life takes you. And I mean, I just kept writing and I think the most I did was I moved my blog to WordPress from Blogger at that point um, to just have it look cleaner. But I didn't really do anything major. I just kept writing more and paying attention. Okay. You moved it from Blogger to WordPress. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny you say this, though. This is the point where I want to emphasize and remind everyone that you are a 13-year – is it 13 or 14 at this point? It's 13-year blog vet? Yes. Yeah, so you were around before all of this pressure that's out now and the the time of Instagram where everybody is like, you have to do this and trademark and all this other stuff. And you are very much about like, look, if your content is not right, it doesn't matter if you have a pink and gold background on your blog. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like people are too hung up on, my God, I'm going to start my blog off, I'm going to trademark you got to have something to trademark that people are going to want to steal before you even start acting like you just um, have to be doing all the, these things. I think people get hung up on some of the business stuff without working on the content stuff first. Um, mm-hmm. And, of course, I am an advocate of protecting your work, but if you aren't starting your blog because you're still waiting to trademark the name, you're basically wasting your time. You're <laughs> stalling yourself and creating excuses. Right. Yeah, like me and my fiancé have this discussion all the time. I'm like, oh, can I do this? I haven't even trademarked it. Like, what if someone comes along? And I finally did, like, put in some trademarking papers. But even then, I kind of felt like, girl, you could have used this money for something else. But if it re- if it relieves that, you know, pressure off your conscience, fine. But you right well, now I mean, are spending money. <laughs> People are trademarking ideas that haven't even been developed. Nobody's mm. stealing your idea that hasn't been developed. Like, yeah. you can't trademark an idea, actually. You trademark something that is already in use and is already being executed. So right. when people are like, oh, I'm going to trademark them on my blog, and you haven't even started the blog, what are you trademarking? Yeah. They, literally, like, you might actually get declined because you haven't used it in commerce yet. Yep. So, Yeah. Yep, and having recently gone through the app, I was like, you know what? I would have been silly doing this beforehand because I wouldn't have anything to link to. So I'm glad that I didn't do it beforehand. Um, So moving on from this, though, you often say that your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. So what do you want people to say about you, and how have you accomplished this? Um, I want people to say this is somebody whose work you have to be consuming. This is somebody who you need to be reading their work. She's really funny. She's really smart. Those are things that I want people to think about me and say about me when I'm not even there. And I just and that has happened because I've really paid attention to my content and I've done work that people love to love and I've done work that I'm proud of. What are some of the do's and don'ts you would say of personal branding? Like, what should people not spend? Don't be so consumed with the idea of you being a brand. Honestly, start with the work. Your brand, you can't be so concerned that you think you can control everything. Yes, you can definitely do things that are going to be intentional to build the brand that you want, 
but don't get so stuck in brand building that you don't do real work. Mm. Say that again. That's something you know when we talked about this last time that I have to constantly um, push myself out of because, like, you get so caught up. And I'm proud to say, I shouldn't say proud, but I launched my podcast without the website that I thought I would have going. It's now up. But the, the, the point is that it was out there. What I needed to be out there was out there before all the accompanying logo and all that other stuff. Like to this day, I just have the word Side Hustle Pro. I don't have any real icon to go along with it. But my goal is to Focus on the content and let all of that come later. But speaking of content creation, though, like, you know this podcast is for people who are still working nine to five and side hustling. And what I respect about you is that you have honed your craft not only as a writer but as a digital strategist, and your grind is serious. So talk to us about back in the day when it was your side hustle, what was your content creation rhythm like, and how did you keep yourself productive producing all this content? Uh, when I had my nine to five, I would work and then I'd come home and write just because I love to write. And when I started, I didn't have any type of cadence or like a, um, a set in stone schedule because back then I wasn't seeing it as anything but a hobby. I was just doing it when I felt like it. And, um, yeah, I mean, I just kept writing because there was no pressure. I didn't. I also didn't put immediate pressure on myself um, to be like, oh, if my blog doesn't have 100,000 page views this month, I failed. Um, I honestly just spent the first I, – I, I, and I think this also helps my, who I am now and the work I do is I want to encourage people to spend – a bit of the beginning of them doing whatever side hustle, just making sure it's good, like the work that they're producing is good. If you're an event planner, make sure you have a great way to manage your events to where your customers don't have to worry about it. If you are a photographer, make sure you've honed your craft and, like, you know what lighting is. Whatever that is, you have to kind of perfect that. And then – you can start focusing on monetizing it because here's the thing is you want to you want it to be when you finally start getting paid for this that people cannot ignore you mm-hmm. because you're so good. There's a quote that from they always say it's Steve Martin who said this, but it's like be so good they can't ignore you. That mm-hmm. and you remind me of um, a few episodes ago I talked to the budget nista, so Tiffany Aliche, and she talks about how many hours she put in just free, just perfecting her public speaking, her delivery of coursework and presentations, and she talked about the fact that compensation does not always have to be money. So instead of focusing on how can I make these dollars, like focus on how else am I being compensated? Am I getting to practice? And, and that's what I hear from you as well, like focus on making your content so rich, so good that by the time you're asking people to pay for you. Yeah, and, and if you notice, some of the people who are at the very top will sometimes give away some content. Yeah. Even if they usually charge for it, that's because you know that there's no there's no bottom to where that's coming from. There's endless content because you're that much of an expert. You can mm-hmm. stand to give away something, but it's in giving it away that people finally understand that, oh, wow, this person is good. Mm-hmm. So, but again, I think people... More people need to work on perfecting their craft. I don't see enough of that. Like, I see a lot of new bloggers who are like, oh, my gosh, I want to start working with brands off jump, and I go on their website, and 
their content is terrible, all these spelling errors, they, nothing they're saying is really that different from anybody else. So I'm like, well, what will make a brand want to work with you? So you mm-hmm. basically have to crawl before you walk, have your stuff. So w- once you have your content that's really good, then, yes, you can definitely perfect your business aspect and make sure your website is decent and it's not load and flow and people can find you across social media easily. Um, and then, you know, have a media kit or just pitch mm-hmm. yourself to brands. Sometimes brands, I mean, for me, I've been fortunate to where a lot of the brands I've worked with, and that's probably a testament to longevity of my work and, mm-hmm. again, what people are saying when I'm not in the room. But it comes down to knowing what you stand for, what messages you want to share, and even the brands that you really love and, you know, I'm glad that you brought up the fact that a lot of the brands that you work with now, they actually came to you. And for for the most part, you didn't do a lot of um, external, just putting yourself out there and trying to get these brand partnerships. But we can still learn a lot from you in terms of how you handle those negotiations. So, for example, when when brands started coming to you, how did you how did you um, you know react to that? How did you even know what was a good deal? Did you compare deals with other bloggers? Um, yeah, I'm actually fortunate to have a group of bloggers who are my friends who I can always tap on. If I have questions like, hmm, does this seem fair? Um, should I charge more? That's helpful. But I also think you need to figure out, like, how much your time is worth per hour. Figure that out. Um, that's a good way to kind of calculate what the low threshold is. Um yeah, how much time is it per hour, how long is it going to take you, add some value, all of that together. There's no real formula for how much to charge, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely something that you can look into ensuring that you are, you have a reference point. And I'm trying to figure out if, if bloggers can even find a reference point. There's like some websites and some organizations will give um slight benchmark is one I can't remember the name mm-hmm. that's for like those formulas but honestly i've been I've been able to do well by just having my community of people to bounce it off of my friends who are in this space, okay, so you didn't enlist like an attorney or a manager or anything like that. No, I just got a manager in the last year and a half, so okay. But like I have well, an attorney, but I have an attorney who reviews all my contracts to make sure that, you know, I am not going to get taken advantage of, and that my intellectual property is protected, and that I'm not signing away my whole life to a brand. Mm-hmm. That's important. Yeah, how how you make sure you're not exploited? That's something that I was yeah. curious about too. Like, how do you know that? And and then also, how do you decide what? Um, what sponsorships and partnerships you'll do. Like I noticed the other day you did like a sponsored post on Instagram. So what makes you comfortable enough to do that? Um, If I can speak to the product, for me, um, I'll have an example. So like if it's like a, I've, I've been getting approached by a lot of brands for movies lately because mm-hmm. they understand that I love watching movies. I do TV recaps. My audience loves consuming this stuff so 
I think it's, it comes down to me to be authentic in the way I can speak to it. So, yes, I can share a movie trailer and say, hey, I love this trailer because I did. But I can't tell you, watch this movie unless I've seen the movie myself. Mm-hmm. So a campaign I did did recently, I literally made them split the campaign into two halves because I told them that the second half of the campaign, which is the part where they want me to encourage people to watch the movie, I told them I couldn't commit to that part until I have seen the movie myself and like it. Mm-hmm. So I made them put it in a contract that phase two is optional based on whether I like it or not and tell them yes. I will go forward and tell people to watch it. So that type of that's what I mean by authenticity for my audience because I don't want them to question my my, my taste. Okay. I'm not going to tell my audience that I love something when I didn't. I'm not going to tell them, "Hey, you should go watch this and spend time and your money on this," unless I really liked it. So it comes down to just being very straightforward with these brands and letting them know what you will and won't do. And and then, you know, standing behind the fact that the reason why you won't do it is because you want to make sure your audience doesn't lose faith in you. That's mm-hmm. a really good reason <laughs> to not want to do something. Right. Yeah, because whenever I see that hashtag ad, I'm like, oh, boy, let me look at this a little closer. What is she advertising now? Like, is she selling out? And then I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. And I also think on the same token, people are so quick to think bloggers are selling out. Yeah. Every time they see the ad hashtag, first of all, we are considered influential for a reason because we have all these people um, who are paying attention to us. Mm-hmm. So... I actually push back against the idea that every time people see an ad, it automatically means inauthentic. No. Like, my fashion blogger friends, they do campaigns with makeup brands they've been wearing for years. Mm -hmm. So just because there's an ad next to it doesn't mean, oh, man, they just getting paid to shield this. No. Because you you have to eat, too. You are a business woman. You have to eat, one, and two. They might be posting that um, palette of makeup anyway, but now yep. they're getting paid to do it, which is what celebrities yep. been doing for decades. Yeah, so I, I I think it's a little bit weird that people just assume that bloggers shouldn't want to do the same. People are buying stuff because we tell them to buy stuff. Yeah. So yes, companies recognize that, and I think it's worth honoring. Like yes, make these monies with these ads. But you have to like and be able to stand behind whatever it is that you put an ad next to. That's just what's important. Yes, and and that's what I think I always look for. I'm like, are you doing something random? And not that it's any of my business, again, because you have to eat. And if if you want to advertise, I don't know, um, furry blankets, like, that's up to you. <laughs> I'm just saying that, you know, I look for I look at the ad post like, hey, wait, what's going on? Oh, okay, okay, that makes sense. That that makes total sense for her brand, especially as a marketer. What's interesting to me, though, is that now that, I guess, it's become mandatory to use that, not everyone is following the rules, but for the most part, more people are following the rules. There's some beauty bloggers who I've followed who I now feel like, wait a second, I – I have. I know you're getting sponsored, or I know you're getting paid for this, and you're not being all the way transparent about it. Like you're not using ads on every post, 
And so, how do you well, feel about that? Yeah. Ad is not even a require. It's not even a required hashtag. Okay, that's the thing. The FC the FCC wants to make sure that people divulge that they partnered with somebody in some way. Mm-hmm. So even the phrase "in partnership with" suffices technically as disclosure. So every post does not have to come with ad as a hashtag. Okay. Some some brands will require you to use that hashtag just to make themselves like to cover all their bases. But if if you say I've partnered with this company, that actually is disclosure because it shows that you're working with them. Mhm. Okay. Thanks for clearing that up. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. Speaking of brands and partnerships, and so we talked about how a lot of them came to you, but I know that you've grown. You there are tons of brands out there. Like you have to have your eyes on some brands that you haven't that have not yet approached you. So, if you do, what's your plan to get in front of those brands? Um, I have a media kit, and a lot of times I'll go to conferences and I might meet somebody there from a brand, and I'm like, you know what? I will send you my media kit. Let's figure out a way to work together. And a lot of times that ends up starting something because they have my media kit. They know exactly how they can engage me in a a way that's organic to my brand, to my work, to my content. And I always tell brands that I will maintain 100% editorial control. Mm. So I don't do advertorials in that way. I'm like, hey, go pick up Downey. No. I do a campaign with Brown Bounty that shows how I use it every single day, especially when I'm going to the gym. Mm-hmm. That way, it's not, hey, go pick up Bounty. It's here's how I use this thing in my life. And it works. Got it, got it. You mentioned that you might go to a conference. So that brings me to the question of investments that you're making in your brand. What kind of investments do you make at this stage where you get approached for a lot of opportunities? Um, what kind of conferences will you pay for if you're not speaking at? Um, very rare. Um, I've only paid for one conference in like the last two years. Mm-hmm. I'm not speaking, I'm not going. Um, mm-hmm. But if I had to go to a conference and pay for it, um, it has to be people who are – higher level than me speaking there. Okay. Like where most people speaking, I can learn something from, like concrete things. So what was that last conference? Um, um, I paid for Summit, which is an invite-only community of basically world changers, and that was last year. Yeah. Okay. I think I've heard of that, yeah. Just for everyone listening, go run out and try to go to Summit because if you're not, well, <laughs> you're not I quite willing. That's the thing. You can't just go to Summit. Yeah. Somebody has to be invited. Oh, okay. Somebody in Summit actually has to invite you. Then you're vetted. So it's it's a basically it's a closed community. Mm-hmm. Um, and they pride themselves on the fact that, hey, everybody at this in this room is at a certain level or is doing amazing things. So you might be sitting at a table with the CEO of Google when you're at the cafeteria or 
So let's transition a bit into I'm Judging You, your forthcoming book. Um, the last time we spoke, we talked about how that all came to how that all came about. So you know, you said an agent contacted you out of the blue, but then within a few months, you had the proposal done, and then the book deal came. Break down that process a little bit for those who are listening for the first time. Were you already thinking about writing a book uh, before the agent proposed to uh, reach out to you? Yeah, um, I got my book idea in August 2014. Agent reached out to me in October. I wrote my um, I wrote my proposal in a couple of months. February 2015, I turned in my proposal. I had my book deal in March. And then um, I wrote this book in five months. But so it comes out in September, and people are always like, "Oh my goodness, that's a long, that's a long timeline." But mm-hmm. in publishing, eighteen months after you sign your book deal is what is standard for your book to actually be released. Okay. And how did you, so you you wrote this book. Now, how did you know what to write about and what stories to tell without pissing people off? Like, is everyone anonymous? I mean, my book isn't really a memoir. Right, right, right. I don't really, it's not based on stories that I'm telling about people's lives. I'm basically making comments and uh, I'm writing, I wrote essays about life, culture, social media, and fame. Like, my blog, I don't really tell stories about people in my life, so it's not really that type of a book. It's a collection of essays that talks about society at large and why we're all ridiculous. <laughs> I heard you talking about the relationship chapter, though, and I pre-ordered my copy, and I still haven't yet, so I can't wait to dig into it, but you know but that, that was one of the first. We'll yes, it. yes, I have it bookmarked. <laughs> So, you know, you talked about a chapter where you're talking about um, basically just, you know, the people and relationships and the ridiculousness on social media. So some of those are based on real people, right? (laughs) I mean, honestly, you can't really tell if it's you. (laughs) Like, the only chapter where I can think, the only chapter where I can think somebody would know is, like, the chapter where I talk about bad relationship choices. But, again, like, these are comments about, people in general, like all the habits that we have that we do. So it's not very specific to one person. And I think a lot of people will actually see themselves in it and be like, oh, man, she just told about my whole life right now. Mm-hmm. That's because my book is basically Lambasta Society at Large. That sounds so funny. So let's get into the marketing part because people see the shiny book cover Coming out September 16th, pre-order copies hitting your Kindle and in shelves on September 13th. But all I see is you working hard behind the scenes. Like I, I see you on different podcasts. I see you all the all the upcoming events you're doing across the East Coast, across the country. Talk about what surprised you about this whole process. Has the has the intensity of the press circuit surprised you at all? Um, it's new for sure. It's definitely new. But I think, I mean, everything about this experience is brand new to me because this being my first book, I kind of don't know what to expect, but I was told that it will get crazy. Um, So I guess this is just part of it. 
Got it. And so what is crazy? Like, how intensive is it going to get? What, what does that entail? Um, My book tour kicks off in September, and between then and beginning of November, I'm going to be in about 15 cities. Mm-hmm. So I will not be seeing my bed too often <laughs> this fall, so that's part of it. Got it, but it will all be worth it. All be worth it. And since you, yeah, you won't be seeing your bed often. So I know you're not a one woman show now. You talked about your manager that you just you, you hired, but everyone could use more help. So who's currently part of the Lovey team, and how'd you build that team? Um, I have my assistant, my publicist. I have my speaker's agent. Um, a manager. Yeah, I mean, building a team is just a, it's a process. Mm -hmm. It is trial and error. It's you figuring out what you really need to take off your plate and then finding the right, the people with the skills to do it. So it's a process. Yeah. And do you think you're going to expand your team even more given the upcoming um, rigor of that tour and the less bandwidth that you'll have? I'm sure. Um, yeah, because I think I'm, my plate is not going to get any smaller. Right. So I'm going to have to get more help to juggle it all. Okay. And for as far as juggling goes, can you share, like, how you manage and deal with this whole entrepreneurship and accounting life? Like, you know that there must be times where you get a bulk check and you're just like, oh, my gosh, I'm rich, but actually Uncle Sam still has to take his cut. So talk about that and how you are managing finances. Uh, I typically don't ball out too often. Like if I get a big check, I sit on it for a couple of months because I might be waiting for another check for a couple of months. So just keeping um, just keeping cash flow in mind is important because otherwise you will – ball out, be broke, and then be sitting there waiting for a check. And that's, right. That, that's not a really good um, place to be in. Right. And and the word flow is especially important because people see cash and they get excited, but no, you need that flow, the in and out. You need to know the next time it's coming in before you start sending it out again. Right. All right, so now that we have talked about like, your book and your team a little bit, we're going to transition to the lightning round, and that's when I'm going to ask you five questions, and we're going to go a little bit faster. You're going to answer the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Does that sound good? Yep. All right, so number one, what aspect of business still intimidates you, and how do you push through that fair? Girl, that is not rapid fire. Um, rapid fire is typically like one, <laughs> fire is typically like one word answers. You give it essays. That is not rapid fire. Like, wait a second. I don't know. If this yeah, that is not rapid fire at all. That's like a regular question. Okay. Um, well, we'll just call this the amended version. <laughs> yeah, girl, this is no. You have to actually change the whole name. This ain't even nothing close. I was thinking rapid fire. Rapid fire is like boom, boom, boom. These are questions that need like deep thought, 
and, like, essay question answers. <laughs> well, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Like, what? Do you still get intimidated? <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know. Because yeah. I don't think I get that intimidated about one thing anymore because I've been yeah. working for so long that I end up learning how to handle it. Hmm. Are you an extrovert? Like, can you work the room easily? Yeah, I'm an extrovert who enjoys being quiet when I'm <laughs> by myself. So I get back to my hotel room or my room, and I'm quiet for the night. Mm-hmm. Are you that person who is all, you know, at the conference, out, talk to everyone, but then people are like, oh, what are we doing after this? And you're like, oh, I'm just going to go back to my room real quick and don't come out. It depends. It depends on the, it depends <laughs> okay. on the conference. It depends on the conference. It depends okay. on what else I was doing before the conference. So, yeah. Okay. So you've had the opportunity to meet a lot of powerful women like Oprah and Shonda Rhimes, who is, like, your biggest fan, and you've spoken at the White House. How do you keep yourself motivated to push for more and not feel like, I have arrived, President Obama, I met them? Like, how do you keep from getting lazy and comfortable? I mean, because there's always a different, there's always a next level to whatever happens for you. So I got this question from a side hustler, Hustle Pro listener recently, and I answered it actually on the episode that's out today, but I'd be interested to know your take as well. It's the question was, how do you push past haters and negative comments about your work and not take it to heart? I don't pay attention to them. Um, <laughs> That's what I if I, if I see it, I mean, sometimes I delete it. Sometimes I just keep it moving. I think mm-hmm. it's just easy to get distracted and off your game from people saying stupid stuff about you. Sometimes yeah. I laugh at it. You just kind of got to keep going past it because there's always going to be somebody saying something that that is not disagreeing with your work. So yeah. you just can't let it stop you from doing what you were doing. What if it's like your family or, or friends? Because you're Nigerian, I'm Jamaican. We come from backgrounds where normal, traditional jobs is, is what's expected. So when you start doing something like blogging and, and all of a sudden people can't really describe or put you in a box, how, how is that? How is dealing with that at first? Um, honestly, I got to a point where people couldn't deny the work that I was doing anymore. It wasn't just playing on the Internet. It mm-hmm. was things that, like being in rooms that, nobody else was in who was in the space. It's just proving that I'm just not playing behind a computer, that I'm actually making a difference and not and and, and making a living from it. That's it. Number four, who do you admire and why? Um, I admire anybody who pursues their love and their passion. I think that makes you commendable. It's it's a hard thing to do, and if you push past it, some good things can happen for you. Amen to that. Now, number five, do you have TV plans? Like, I, I actually put out questions to the audience before this interview, and that is one that came up, like, what are you, you going to do your own TV show? We'll see. 
we'll see what the universe has for me. I'm open to it. Okay. Have you been actively searching for it, or just you'll see? No, I'm just going to see. Okay. All right, so finally, um, this, I want you to give you an opportunity to plug anything that we haven't had a chance to cover, or just talk about what's next for Lovey. My book. Honestly, my book is basically going to take over my fall. I'm trying to be a best-selling author, so the book is priority. And I hope people order it. It's at I'mJudgingYouBook.com. You can order it from everywhere where books are sold, so it's basically anywhere you feel like. But, yeah, I think I think this book is going to be life-changing, so looking forward to it. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I think that this book is definitely going to do well. I mean, I'm not psychic, but signs are very good. <laughs> and so... <laughs> What's the best way for listeners to connect with you after this episode? Um, I am everywhere on social media at Lovey, L-U-V-V-I-E, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. All right, guys, and there you have it. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. And if you want to hear more from me, you can find me online at SideHustlePro.co and on social media on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at SideHustlePro. Talk to you next week.